Clarita here, and I've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. If you want to release your music into the world, DistroKid's the easiest way to get your music into all the major streaming platforms, unlimited uploads, and keep 100% of your royalties. And because you're a Design Freaks listener, you get 30% off. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Design Freaks. DistroKid. another episode of the design freaks podcast this is the podcast where we talk music industry art and design record covers posters zines etc for freaks by freaks i'm clarita and i'm your host hi welcome back um i'm back i took a little break it kind of turned into a summer break it's good to be recording again there's a lot to talk about um the barney bubbles book came out I wrote an essay in the book. I want to discuss that and some of the things I was thinking. Um, It's August 2022. It was just Barney Bubbles' birthday on July 30th. Happy birthday to Barney Bubbles. He would have turned 80 this year. Um, And if you don't know who he is, Barney Bubbles was a genius rock and roll graphic designer. One of the very best in the biz ever to be, ever shall be. He, uh, he had different phases to his career. He started out doing more psychedelic stuff and working with space rock band Hawkwind and then had a whole other career designing for Stiff Records and, and you know, all those artists, Elvis Costello, Ian Dury, etc. And was just a phenomenal, fascinating person that there's lots to learn about. So yeah, I'm going to talk about the book. I'm going to talk about how the Design Freaks podcast Instagram was hacked. Guess what, folks? I got hacked. And you'll know it's the hacked account if there are underscores in it. I do not use underscores, and once I get it back or start a new one, there will be no underscores. That is the Design Freaks promise to you. And, yeah, where you can find me, new information, um, what's coming up for the show. I do have some interviews Land. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, if you've heard the show before, you've heard me talk about uh, the Barney Bubbles book. It's you know coming out. Well, now it's officially released both in the UK and America. It was I think released a month before in the UK. Um, so now if you've ordered one here in the States, you should be getting yours pretty soon. I did somehow receive the baffling honor of being included in this third edition. Amazing. And uh, yeah, if you're new to the show, episode four of Design Freaks is all about Barney Bubbles. Um, and that episode featured my friend Brian Standridge, who is a Seattle musician and record producer. Um, that show was fantastic because... Brian was my guest and made it really awesome and fun. He made it like this super fun journey 
Um, and so that's where I believe I tagged Paul Gorman's book, crediting it. Uh, you know, I read a couple books for that episode for my research, but that book really made that episode. And it also was like, whoa, I need to do another episode. So I want to talk about some things that I didn't talk about in episode four. I did what I could. We recorded for like two and a half hours. And I remember I was getting over a cold and I was like, we should probably wrap it up. But I mean, I felt like I could have talked about him forever. There's just so much. So really appreciative to Paul Gorman for that second edition that really shaped that podcast episode. And that that edition was called um, Reasons to be Cheerful, The Life and Work of Barney Bubbles. This new edition is called The Wild World of Barney Bubbles, Graphic Design and the Art of Music. Anyway, I was asked to write this essay kind of uh, because I had been trying to spread the word about him and his work and how why I felt his work is still relevant in, in today's like digital era, you know. So yeah, if, if you want to purchase the book and you haven't already, it's published by Thames and Hudson. You can find at barneybubbles.com. You can find it easily there. Um, and I'll put a link in the show notes um, and on my website, designfreakspodcast.com. Uh, there's also a collector's edition at vol.co. That's website, uh, vol.co. It's limited to 500. It's, it has a bunch of extras in it and you know, a cloth bound box and everything. Uh, so anyway, for this episode, I wanted to go over some factoids about Barney Bubbles from the new book. There's some new stuff that wasn't in the any other edition. And uh, I want to kind of read a little bit from my essay. But before that, I want to say thank you so much for listening. And uh, thank you for those of you who have contacted me. And even though I took a little break, yeah, thank you for for those of you who just like encouraged me um, and were not rushing me except for you, Jacob, <laughs> which actually was really sweet um, knowing that he like wanted a new episode and, and likes the show that much. So that was awesome. Um, thank you for those who sent me kind, encouraging words and everyone who's ordered a book and didn't mention the weird typos. Just kidding. I don't even know if they're typos. So obviously my essay had to be edited for UK audience, right? And so some of the words I'm like, is that how you use that word? I don't know. But uh, a little couple of things got shuffled or, or kind of maybe misspelled. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's acceptable over there. Maybe some of it is slang or something, but I don't care. It's such an unbelievable honor. And that's spelled H-O-N-O-U-R to be included. Uh, wow. Amazing. Before I dig into all that though, if you enjoy the show, please share it with other vinyl and design freaks uh, and leave an iTunes review and subscribe. I have more shows coming up. Feel free to uh, DM me, message me, any suggestions. However, do not DM me on the current Instagram as of August 2022 because the Design Freaks Instagram got hacked. So anyway, I haven't been able to get into that account since May 24th. So that kind of prompted me taking a break too because this show is part audio, part Instagram. I mean, it's a visual subject matter, right? But because we're designers, what do we do while we're designing? We listen to podcasts. So, you know, that's why I started this show. Yeah, it's like four years of 
documentation just being taken away from me. If you can help me out, it would be amazing. Uh, or if you know anybody who could donate the service of helping me get back in somehow, um, I'll start a new one if I have to, but I'd like to get into the old one if I could. So uh, message me on designfreakspodcast.com. Anyway, I'd appreciate the help or advice if you have gotten yours back before too. So the Instagram account, that is currently at underscore design freaks podcast underscore. That is no longer controlled by me. I have nothing to do with that. Um, so what they did was they hacked in, they locked me out, they set up two-factor authentication, um, and I haven't been able to get in since. Uh, they immediately changed the name by adding the underscores to the beginning and end, and they blocked my personal account so I can't even see what they're doing. So if any of you follow the Design Freaks Instagram and you've gotten any weird messages from that account with the underscores, that is not me. I really don't want them to just fully take it down. They could, I think. It's still up there as an archive at least if I can't get it back. But if you do get a message, um, let me know so I can report it because I've been in contact with Meta since this happened and nothing. They haven't been able to do anything supposedly. They say they can't prove it's me even though my full name and likeness are on the show graphic um, and I control the synced Facebook page that's still synced to the podcast. Anyway, I don't get it. I don't understand how any of this, how I'm supposed to prove that it's me if this doesn't work. Um, and I've taken the video of myself. Anyways, it's just a big mess, but I will be um, either, if I can't get back in, I'll be setting up a new Design Freaks Instagram, announcing it here and other places. For now, you can always follow me at clarita.des, D-E-Z, um, and that's short for design. Will I give you a reward if you help me get back into the account? Definitely. And for other music-related podcasts, check out ruinousmedia.com. So, so before I get into the book, I just wanted to give a little bit of background because there's this great interview with Paul Gorman. Um, in Shindig magazine, and it gives like some perspective that it's so crazy this book even exists. Um, Barney didn't save stuff. It wasn't neatly all just in a studio somewhere. I mean, the amount of work that went into this is unbelievable. So where did you begin when you started working on the original edition of the book? And was it hard to compile? Was his archive in good order? Or did you have to track down many of the pieces within? And Paul Gorman says, I began by contacting my now great friend, Jake Riviera, who is a co-founder of Stiff Records, music manager, uh, who unlocked the whole thing for me, enabling me to connect the dots and link up with many people who hadn't spoken about bubbles on the record before. There was no archive to speak of since he didn't keep anything. Friends and admirers had rescued artworks and designs sometimes literally from the dumpster. Others, such as his partner Belinda Syme and his late sister Jill Jewess, were gracious enough to give me their time and stories, but it was akin to detective work, building a chronology out of old music press ads, half-completed student sketchbooks, undated letters and postcards, old Polaroids, and analog print-ready artboards. Jesus Christ. I mean, well done, everyone. So, and then this is another question and answer that kind of um, addresses why this new edition exists. So, 
They ask, what prompted this new edition of the book? And do you think Barney Bubble's reputation has changed in the intervening years? If so, how? And Paul Gorman says it's been 12 years since the last edition and copies were more than 100 British pounds. Um, actually, the one that I saw on Amazon was like 700. But anyway, um, so the impetus was to make a new edition available at a decent price to the waves of new fans, particularly young designers and design and music followers, not only in Britain, but in continental Europe, the US and Japan. He was virtually unknown when the first book came out in 2008 and was in danger of remaining a hip secret among a certain type of overprotective design freak slash gatekeeper. Guilty. Um, I wanted to bust him out of that exclusiveness and show as wide an audience as possible that this is an important body of work which can be enjoyed today. The new edition has an essay by Latinx designer Clarita Hinojosa. Hinojosa? How do we say that? For too long, Bubbles has been the preserve of middle-aged and older white guys like me. And the new cover, as well as a section of my introduction, addresses the mental health issues with which he struggled. I thought it was important to bring that into the arena for discussion. Absolutely. Well done. It's a new world. It's a new day. Yeah, that I hope that was a good background, good setup for the rest of this podcast as we kind of flip through the pages and go over my personal highlights. I just want to talk about the wild world of Barney Bubbles for a minute, and not just because my essay's in it, but I was obsessed with the last edition. I really love this cover. It's just gorgeous, and it's hard to tell in photos. It's got this glossy like varnish. So the design for the cover was adapted from Barney's design for the seven inch single. I love the sound of breaking glass by Nick Lowe. And that was released in 1978. Um, It features a black background. And then over it is a big, it almost takes up the entire square um, gold circular saw blade. And in the middle of it, there's all these different sharp objects um, that kind of form a face. And it's all stuff that you could cut yourself with, or that's how I feel when I look at it. It um, kind of makes me feel a little tense. <laughs> um, interesting um, little self-portrait he made and then like really tracked out oblique type. Getting to the inside of the book. Uh, first, we have the author's note by Paul Gorman kind of explaining how the book came to be in the first place. Uh, all of the designs that have emerged since the last edition came out and the diversity of the different people who've expressed interest in him, like Aries Moros and myself. Um, yeah, so really cool. For the other essays, you have Peter Seville uh, and his is called Towards the Canonization of Barney Bubbles. Um, the My Essay is in the same spread as Billy Bragg, what? Um, Which is insane to me. So cool. And he talks about how it was a really hard time for singer-songwriters like him to stand out, you know, like in the record store and like in just on the scene with all the 
glossy 80s pop sort of happening at the time, Human League. And and he said that Barney made him distinctive in a world filled with filled with distractions and pretty boys. And then there's uh, a chat, an interview with uh, one of the greats, rock and roll designer Art Chantry. Not only are there two Americans, uh, me and Art, uh, but uh, two Pacific Northwest designers. So great job, everybody. So for my essay, uh, I will read a couple little excerpts, but basically I talk about how he was not only like supernaturally talented, he had this rebellious nature where he even rebelled against like psychedelia. Like he just didn't, there were no rules ever. He, he could be very structured, even with like a space rock band taking from the art deco and futurist art movements. And I'm, I'm kind of referencing my podcast episode here. Uh, I talk about the packaging for X in Search of Space by Hawkwind how unique it was and how weird and kind of unheard of it was. And then also creating a whole visual identity for Hawkwind. Yeah, Tadanori Yokuo is like probably a second runner up for like doing this crazy stuff. But like the way Barney became almost a member of the band. And I mean, he did everything from the logo, the letterhead. And if you want to know the extent of the visual identity, you got to check out this book. I mean, there's painting of the gear, um, precise diagrams of, you know, and where people will be placed on the stage with consideration for like astrological alignment. It's a lot. It's very cool. The other thing I wanted to point out about my essay that I just absolutely adore about Barney Bubbles, and it's this common characteristic in all of my favorite designers and artists in general. Well, first of all, he had all these different monikers, a Jacuzzi Stallion, Heaps Willard, for The Damned, he was Big Jobs, Inc. Um, and that's why he didn't get a lot of credit back in the day. Um, that's why it takes someone like Paul Gorman and and the other people involved who knew Barney to help put all the puzzle pieces together. He was a prankster. Uh, and I wrote, I think I meant I'm equally fascinated by the mischievously clever marketing concepts, which took Barney's visual execution to another stratosphere. The manner in which he invited interaction with the audience, including instructional diagrams, packaging reveals, DIY options, created a tactile and from a commercial point of view, highly collectible music experience. So I talk about um, also the, the sort of pranks that he would pull the limited edition of 1977's Damn, Damn, Damned with its exploding red paint sticker on the front wrapper and deliberately mistaken placement of a photo of Eddie and the Hot Rods rather than the damned on the back, is an excellent excellent example of Barney's... Whoa, <laughs> my toast is ready. Is an excellent example of Barney's punk sensibilities, valuing play and humor over earnestness and total authenticity. Um, and that's part of what resonates so strongly with Bubbles since present-day design is less hand-touched, increasingly commodified. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that more in a second. Yeah, there's another quote from the book that kind of ties that together. But um, also back into my essay, Brian uh, from the podcast said, I hope that he recognized that he did make beautiful art that a lot of people appreciated and loved. And I said that he and that he inspired so many designers to become designers. So it's worth pointing out that absent Paul Gorman's monograph, the podcast would have been very different, which is absolutely true. (laughs) 
getting into the book itself, um, it does, it goes over his early life and his time at Twickenham College. Um, there's drawings, sketches, paintings, everything you can think of. If you like process photos, I love those. You can see like overlays and um, man, I'm so fascinated with that because I've never worked as a professional designer before everything went digital. Like, you know, obviously I made design before, but um, did not work in a professional design environment using all those tools, uh, the analog tools. So I went from like paint and collage and Xerox to the computer. That's pretty much my trajectory. So yeah, I'm just so fascinated with all of that. And then Um, It shows his early design work and then the start of the work that kind of I went over in that earlier episode, uh, the work for Hawkwind. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some some funny stories and quotes from a little bit later on in the stiff years. They did know, like moving into the new wave and punk arena, um, having been, you know, a hippie, But Barney was never like completely any one thing, right? Like obviously he contained multitudes, but he did have a hippie side for sure. So from the book, uh, it's interesting to note that Bubbles escaped punk's year zero intolerance of anyone with hippie associations or indeed with any musical style preceding 1976. Um, And then a quote by Rat Scabies from The Damned. He says, if there was a relevant point to be made, he wouldn't hide his past says Scabies. Even though he was a hippie, he was still in tune with the punk ethic about there being no rules. Everything is fair game to get the point across, and that's what Barney was about. Amen, sister. That's what I've been saying. Um, No rules. That was him. Um, And it almost reminds me of the same spirit of, well, this was much later, but I'm from Austin, and there was an old punk band from late 70s, early 80s called the Uncalled Four, number four. Um, and they, you know, people got all upset that they're, it's this hoax and whatnot. And their defense, they were like, um, we're not going to, this is punk rock. And also in that era, time and place, it was, everything was zines and everything was cut out, found photos and cut and pasted and nothing was authentic. Everything was like, this weird, uh, scrappy art. Um, and so of course they're going to put, you know, like a glee club photo from some found yearbook, from like some Texarkana yearbook as the cover of their seven inch that, you know, they laughed about what are we going to do? Put actual photos of ourselves, like some cheesy rock stars. <laughs> I mean, that's not what they're doing. It's art. It's art punk. It's, I mean, I guess there is a theater aspect, you know, there is, an attitude. There is a performative aspect. But to me, that's the joy. That's the fun. It's not about lying and trickery. It's about like no rules. That's what we're doing. Anyway, yeah. So then the book goes on to talk about how that became like the stiff style. And if you're, if you know stiff records, you know, there's a lot of wordplay and it's very cheeky. It thrust individual acts to the foreground on the front covers while the reverse side of the sleeves played with the traditional detailing of track listing, publishing ownership by adding graphic ticks, in-jokes, and tiny figures. Oh, I love that he would put this little, like, it looked like it could be cut out, um, called stiff single vouchers, which were worthless. They were just like a little signature. It's just so funny. I love that stuff. 
more pranks, more fun. So, okay, this this is um, a little story about the Ian Dury single called Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick, which is one of my favorite design, Barney Bubbles designs. Um, so Brian Griffin, the photographer that Barney worked with a lot, he said toward the end of 1978, he received a call from Barney Bubbles telling him, get ready for a photo shoot for the cover of a new Ian Dury single. And he said he sat by the phone, but he didn't ring back, says Griffin. The next day I called Barney. He told me they needed the artwork. So I just did it overnight. (laughs) I mean, it is so cool. I have, I find it hard to believe, even though I know he was a genius. How? How he did that overnight? He must have already had sketches or something. But even if he already had like some sort of a, a game plan to, to do this and finalize this for print overnight like that is insane it sold hundreds of thousands of copies and set Dury on the path from pub rock to national treasure see that's the power of design um on the front of the hit me sleeve articulated black and white quadrants were surrounded by unraveled pink string against a green origami style plane the impact of this prown a method developed by l lisitsky in the 20s to transform perspective in art and design by presenting the background as three rather than two-dimensional was heightened by the print printing of the song title and band credit. Um, on the back, the black and white shapes were composed into that of a jaunty puppet dog. In the bottom right-hand corner was another hound apparently constructed from folded paper. Um, it's nuts. If you can look at it, please do. Um, it sparked a series of sellout gigs for Ian Dury and the Blockheads Hanky Panty Tour. And then it talks about how um, he used a prison art technique outlining Dury's profile with matchsticks. Okay, so now let's let's talk about Elvis Costello because he's kind of a weird, interesting figure. It talks about how Gabrin, another photographer, Chris Gabrin, had photographed Elvis Costello from the get-go, and um, Bubbles homed in on certain shots for the covers of his first two singles, Less Than Zero and Allison. Costello, previously country rock performer D.P. McManus, now why would he change his name? Uh, was positioned, moving on, was positioned by Stiff as a twisted outsider to match the subject matter of his tightly wound songs filled with jealousy and disgust. Gone was his denim work shirt, flared dungarees, sensible spectacles, and quaffed hair, and in their place, a neat quiff, oversized Buddy Holly glasses, a thrift store jacket with skinny tie, Doc Martens, and drainpipe jeans. The idea was that he would be like Buddy Holly on acid, says Jake Riviera. Uh, Barney's brief was uh, that we conveyed the minimum of information, no credits, just the song titles. We wanted to intrigue people, get them asking, where's this guy from? Uh, Bubbles art directed the, sh- the photo shoot, throwing moves and poses behind the camera to inspire and animate the singer. So Barney was into Elvis Presley and he was making Elvis Costello do all these like Elvis Presley moves. 
There's a couple ways that that photo shoot came into play, right? So on the cover of My Aim is True, um, it says, on the cover, Costello is aggressively hunched over his guitar, a vengeful geek surrounded by a checkerboard border, which repeats in tiny Letraset letters, Elvis is king. If you didn't know that and you own this record, go pull it out right now. And in every black, tiny black square, there's a Letraset letter that says Elvis is king throughout on the whole cover. Um, and then on the back, another black and white shot from the same session. It's highlighted by a wash of fluorescent color, which features the barely discernible song titles and an undulating graphic announcing surfing the new wave. And that back is similar to the back of uh, the cover that um, Barney did for Ian Dury, New Boots and Panties. Similar vibe. So the next way that they use that shoot was pretty cool. And Barney was supposed to help them hype this record. And um, there were a few kind of wacky things they did. So Jake Riviera from Stiff Records um, and close friend of Barney Bubbles um, talks about this interesting ad campaign. He said um, the center spreads of weekly music papers, NME, and Melody Maker and Sounds were already booked in late July for stiff adverts, which featured two panels of a cutout and keep six-piece poster of the front cover shot of Elvis Costello. So basically, they already had these full pages reserved. They just um, hyped the My Aim is True record by cutting his body up and having each page be a different part of the full picture. So you'd have to cut them up, collect them all, and put them together like Voltron, right, to make the Elvis Costello poster. So I still haven't seen um, imagery of someone who has the fully completed version. That would be interesting to see. But uh, he, Jake says, we wanted to really engage with the fans. And since there were so many papers, why not come up with a collectible series? Better than the same old ad for the latest Genesis album. Hold me back, you know. <laughs> Brevity was the watchword of the My Aim is True campaign. Some ads presented the album cover with the command buy it <laughs> for the trade press stock it. One states um, the best record company in the country presents the best artist in the world. And then lastly, I wanted to talk about the missing link section of the book. And this is all the um, new art and design that surfaced since the last edition of the book 12 years ago. Um, and it has its own section. And one of my favorite pieces that's so endearing and so cool is the letterhead that Barney designed for Stacia Blake, who was the Hawkwind stage dancer. He designed it, um, A4 letterhead in 1974. It's really cool. It's very art deco and it's a, a likeness of her with a bunch of shapes and like a silhouette. So it, there's a little paragraph here that talks about, um, Paul says he received a letter from the artist Stacia Blake as Miss Stacia. Blake's experimental dancing was a key element of the live experience of the 1972 to 75 lineup of Hawkwind, which is generally considered to have made this phase of the collective's existence its most creatively fruitful. So she sent him um, examples of the letterhead that Barney Bubbles designed for her to answer the sacks of fan mail she received during this period. That's so sweet. 
Yeah, and she is on socials and is very sweet. I've interacted a little bit. Um, seems like a really cool person. So anyway, that is my take on the book and really super grateful and honored to be a part of that. Barney Bubbles forever. What would he do? Ask yourself. Do some design pranks. Uh, don't be too sincere. And I'll see you next time, everybody. Thank you for listening. Bye.